Talmud tells a story about two rabbis, Shmuel and his student Yehuda, who are sitting in judgment one day in an ancient court. Suddenly, in walks in a woman haggard and angry. A few days ago, an injustice had been committed against her. She pleads to Shmuel to do something, but he doesn't act. She turns around and she leaves defeated. Soon after, Yehuda turns to his teacher Shmuel and he questions him. Didn't we learn in the book of Proverbs, quote, whoever stops his ears at the cry of the poor, he shall cry himself but shall not be heard? So knowing that God wants you to act on behalf of the downtrodden, why, you, why would you remain silent in the face of this woman's cry? Looking at him, Shmuel responds, you're right. One day I might be held accountable for my inaction, but my punishment will be light because I don't have the power to change things for her. Rather, the real leader, the one with the real power is Marukba, who sits at the head of the court, and he is responsible for the matter that she seeks. When someone is held accountable, it's going to be him. This past year, I've often felt like Shmuel looking into the face of real suffering with little agency to fix it. I want to change the world. I want to heal its brokenness. I want to bind its wounds. But I know that my authority and my influence are limited. I have little power to change the biggest problems around me. Pay attention to even a modicum of the events around us. And we're hit with a barrage of needs and priorities that call out for our attention. Children and parents separated from one another at the border. Children locked away in detention centers without adequate care and space and many forced to sleep on concrete floors or wooden benches, some with no soap, toothpaste, or blankets. And like Shmuel, I know that I share some of that burden, a part of that responsibility for their treatment. But like him, I am powerless to stop it. Likewise, I see environmental degradation everywhere. Larger storms, rising seas, mass extinctions have all become commonplace, and they're becoming more. And I know one day, my son Lev and his children will approach me, and they will ask me why I didn't do more. And in shame, I will hold up my hands, and I will say, I wish I could have but I did not have the power. The endless list of tasks around us often seem too much. Mass incarceration, poverty, homelessness, inadequate health care, hunger, racism, gun violence, lack of access to mental health resources. The list goes on and on and on. And faced with these hurdles, it is not uncommon to feel despair. How can we hold out hope for an end to the world's ills when we lack the agency to change them? Judaism has a word for how I feel. Kotzer ruach. A term that appears in the book of Exodus when discussing the way that the Israelites feel while they are in Egypt. Reflecting on the fact that kotzer ruach could mean shortness of spirit or shortness of wind, Rashi explains that to be kotzer ruach means to be so distressed that we can barely catch our breath. 
as if the wind can only come in short gasps and not long, deep breaths. Kotzer Ruach is the feeling of drowning, which is exactly how I feel every time I turn on the television, open a newspaper, or log on to Facebook. The world is broken, and I don't have the vehicle to fix it. We are sinking without a life raft, and there seems to be nothing we can grab. It's times like this that I turn to one of my favorite teachings in the whole of the Jewish canon, a teaching that our president Ken Cohen quoted last night. Rabbi Tarfon said, the day is short and the work is plentiful. It is not your job to finish the task, nor are you free to desist from it. And thus, in one phrase, Tarfon provides a subtle rebuke to Shmuel and to me and to every single one of us paralyzed by the task at hand. Reflecting on this famous teaching, Rabbi Yitz Greenberg explains, quote, Rabbi Tarfon's metaphor is that God put us on this earth with a mission. There is more to do than there are hours in the day. People often don't push themselves. They settle for mediocre performance. Yet God asks us urgently to step up. Indeed, just because we cannot catch our breath, that doesn't mean that we should stop breathing altogether. Rabbi Tarfon understands that change happens slowly. But each of us have a responsibility to work toward that change and to seek to make this world better. We have to leave our mark, even if the main body of the picture looks unchanged from moment to moment. I imagine that Rabbi Tarfon learned this truth from his teacher, Rabbi Akiva, who was one of the greatest sages in Jewish history. Although Akiva was a hero in his time, he actually didn't start out like that. Beginning his studies later in life, he was sure that he would never achieve the great learning that would make him into a great rabbi. But one day, at an older age, he was walking by a river, and he noticed that over time, water had borne a hole in the rock. Realizing that one drop of water could do nothing, but a steady stream over many years could make a huge impact. He started to study, little by little, until one day he reached a tipping point. It seemed to an outsider who was not involved in Akiva's day-to-day -day that overnight change had happened. Over a few years, he was transformed from an illiterate pauper to a great sage. But in truth, it was because of the slow, deliberate accumulation of knowledge inspired by watching that water flow over the rock that we know his name. Akiva's story is mirrored in the work of many of our greatest social movements. Marriage equality surely has its heroes. But in truth, the reason that we have it, the reason that we went from an overwhelming majority of Americans opposing gay marriage in the 1980s to a majority of Americans embracing it today is actually not because of those heroes. It's instead because of small acts that subtly and narrowly moved the ball until our country reached a tipping point. What did it was that millions of Americans came out of the closet 
And suddenly, marriage equality wasn't some abstract ideal. It impacted your son or your daughter, your neighbor or your friend, your coworker or your cousin. It was the bravery of individuals who had little agency outside of their own homes, many of whom faced tremendous pain while doing it, that helped us reach a tipping point, a paradigm shift in our country. They were the water dripping over the impenetrable rocks of hatred and animosity around them. Both of these stories teach us that small actions do matter. And in the absence of the power to change the largest systems and the most insurmountable problems, the best way to deal with potential despair is to double down on the most local of change. There's a powerful teaching in our Talmud about each person's need to do what they can. Everyone who can protest the sin of his household and does not is held responsible for the people of his household. For the people of his city, he is held responsible. For the people of his city, for the whole world, he is responsible for the whole world. In a way, I've always wished that this text moved in the opposite order. Moving from one's household to city, it climaxes in us changing the world. But most of us don't have that power. Instead, read backwards, it teaches us to keep looking smaller until we can find an impact that we can make. And if you look around here in Bloomfield, in Essex County, in New Jersey, there's a lot of need that calls out for each of our hands. Take hunger, for example. Essex County has the highest rate of food insecurity in all of New Jersey, with about 18% of the population lacking enough to eat. This number includes, by the way, 16.8% of all children. There are lots of answers to how to deal with this staggeringly high number from political to economic solutions. But even without those steps, we can still zero in on the smaller specific actions that can change lives today. In a given month, Temple Near to Meet has a host of opportunities to make an impact on hunger. We run a monthly soup kitchen called Bloomfield Cafe, which is housed in the basement of Park Methodist Church in Bloomfield. And there are dozens of people that come every month, many of them looking for their one hot meal that they will have that day. Likewise, each month we have volunteers who stand outside of ShopRite, passing out flyers to those who enter and asking them when they leave to bring them an extra can of soup or a box of cereal on their way out the door. Through this effort, each year, we collect thousands of pounds of food to be donated to the Human Needs Food Pantry. Multiple times a year, we also run a respite shelter for homeless families through the Interfaith Hospitality Network that includes opportunities to cook, play with children, and chaperone overnight. Each of these projects gives us an outlet to do good. In a world where we often feel like we lack power, they give us a vehicle to work toward change. But local small change doesn't need to come in just acts of direct service. We may not personally have the authority and power to impact policies at the border or to be able to solve millions of undocumented individuals in our country's problems. But every one of us can make the lives better for those undocumented immigrants we see every day 
in the supermarket, on the streets, and in the parks that we frequent. Locally, I've been part of a coalition of clergy who have been meeting with Essex, Essex County freeholders and administrators in an effort to improve procedures and conditions at the Essex County Correctional Facility. As criminal justice reform has shrunk the prison population, Essex County has been filling beds with immigrant detainees, and it's receiving federal grants of up to 30 to $40 million to do so. At first, our coalition thought that we could change this, but quickly as we explored this issue, we realized that we didn't actually have the agency to do much with the contract. There was too much at stake for the county to change. So we thought smaller, more local, more practical. Now the asks are more finite. Increase funding to make sure that every detainee has legal representation. Make sure there's an independent advisory board made up of stakeholders and members of nonprofits like the ACLU to hold the prison accountable if there are safety infractions. Ask the prison to appoint an independent person who detainees can go to with complaints about their conditions so they don't have to approach the warden directly with them. Each of these actions may seem minor, but they each move the needle in their own way. And as we've already talked about, in the absence of movement, think smaller. I've been inspired by countless lay leaders at Temple Nair Tamid who do just this. As many of you know, we've been working this past year with another broad coalition of religious groups on a bill that would give driver's licenses to undocumented immigrants in New Jersey. Living in Jersey, each of us know how important it is to have access to a car, to go grocery shopping, to take our kids to the doctor, to get to work. Together, this broad coalition has been pushing our elected officials to pass this bill on moral grounds. Easy access to food or healthcare are basic rights that should be afforded to all. I went into this year feeling this is, was going to be an easy win. But New Jersey politics being what they are, the bill hasn't moved. Yet even without action, our community has had some wins. We had the governor on our BIMA just the other day, and we got him on record as supporting the bill. We met with our local Senator Nia Gill, and we began engaging her in her discomfort with aspects of the legislation, connecting her with nonprofits on the ground who have an ear to those who might fix those specific claims. We've published op-eds, and we currently have a clergy letter written in part by our member Trish Perlmutter that is getting signatures around the state. Sometimes working toward good changes the world, Sometimes it changes our city, sometimes our family, but even the smallest changes will change us. Even at times when our acts are so small that we wonder if we are wasting our time, they can still sharpen our character. I am different because of my justice work this year, even if I can't see the fruits of that labor. When we feed one person, we get in the habit of thinking about hunger. When we house one family, we get in the habit of thinking about homelessness. When we publish one op-ed, meet with one senator, sign one letter, hold one forum, we become a people who care more and more day after day about the ills of the world. 
As the 18th century rabbi and philosopher Moshem Chaim Lozado said, just as enthusiasm can result from an inner burning, so can it create one too. That is, one who perceives a quickening of his outer movements in the performance of a mitzvah, conditions himself to experience a flaming inner movement through which longing and desire will continually grow. If, however, he's sluggish in the movement of his limbs, the movement of his spirit will die down and become extinguished. Experience testifies to this. In other words, the more that we get going, the more we force ourselves to act, even toward the smallest of changes, the more we will condition ourselves to keep acting, to keep yearning to make a difference. And that's why Maimonides wrote in the 12th century that if we have the ability to give $100 to one person or $1 to 100, we should choose the latter option. Although $100 may make a real difference to someone in the short term, after 100 distinct acts of good, we are transformed into someone who perpetually gives back. Then our future giving, our future engagement, will far exceed that one-time larger bequest. But lack of agency is only one reason that we don't act. Even as we think smaller, one of the greatest challenges that we face when we seek to do good in the world is the sheer number of things that are calling out to us for our attention. With all the need around us, how do we not become crippled by choice? To that I would say, do not be afraid to choose. Our Talmud once again teaches, where there are two boats traveling on the river and they encounter each other, if both of them attempt to pass, both of them sink as the river is not wide enough for both of them to pass. If they pass one after the other, then both will pass. And similarly, where two camels who were ascending the ascent of Moron, where there is a narrow, steep path, encounter each other. If both attempt to ascend, both of them will fall. If they ascend one after the other, both of them will ascend. What these metaphors teach us is that we should let an issue, just one, rise to the top of each of our priorities. Listen to the chorus of need, and instead of getting lost in the cacophony, find a single voice singing a single song. And even though you might feel guilty about letting others go, know that you have every right to. Jewish law tells us, ha'osek b'mitzvah pator b'mitzvah, one who is involved in an act of mitzvah, they are exempt from other mitzvot. One of the things that makes Judaism countercultural is that it asks things of us. To be Jewish means to engage your hands in healing the brokenness around you, even if you don't want to. I'm not going to presuppose that everything that we do at TNT is going to speak to everyone here. But if it doesn't, find your own way to give back. And if it does, I want to make it easy for you to get involved. For this reason, we're going to send an, an email out after Yom Kippur to help you as you look for ways to make a difference through existing programs at TNT. Often the sheer volume of what we do can feel hard to navigate when you're on our website. I mean, I spoke tonight about three distinct programs that all deal with feeding the hungry. 
What I hope you will do is to choose something, just one thing that you're going to do next year. And if you want to do it in partnership with us, then add your name to an existing initiative, some of which I mentioned, and some of which, like our interreligious dialogue group or taking care of the sick and bereaved in our community, through our chesed committee, I didn't yet. And then over the course of the coming weeks, someone will be in touch with you about how you might get involved in that initiative. Every one of us has power. Every one of us has control. Every one of us has agency. This year, find a way to match that power with those who need it most. Hope conquers despair when we can see a path forward. You own that path. You are that path. And even if you can't get to the end, the fact that you tread on the path matters. There's a teaching often told during the High Holy Days about a king who has a son who lives far away. He knows that he cannot get home, and he's afraid to leave for that reason. Start walking, says his father, and I will too. And when you grow too tired, I will meet you at that point, and I will carry you the rest of the way home. So I say to you, start walking. Even those few steps. And have faith that even in your smallest acts of love, you will make it to see the binding up of this broken world. Gemar Chatzimatzvah. change the world so I tried to change my country instead when I found I couldn't change my country then I began to change for good my attention on my community on my people but then I discovered that I couldn't change them 
tried to change the world. Then my country, then my family, now I am older still. And I realize the only thing that I can change is me. Change community and in turn change the country and we. Really 